Welcome to T2S2. My name is Toby Shapshak and I'm talking to interesting people about interesting things. And as far as I can tell, the most interesting thing in the world right now, and the thing that's probably going to help more people, is a concept called financial inclusion. And that basically means bringing all of those people who aren't part of the formal banking system somehow into it. And of course, the greatest example is in PESA. Uh, we've seen numerous banks launch recently, Bank Zero, uh, Discovery Bank last year, uh, Time Bank has been around for a while, but has really kicked off. And all of these are powered by a little thing called a credit card. That's the thing that every bank gives you. But What's going to happen when our cell phones replace credit cards? And that's why I'm speaking to a very interesting guy called Aldo Lobscher, who just happens to be the head of Visa for Sub-Saharan Africa. Hello, Aldo. Hi, Toby. Thank you. It's great to be on the show. Let's just kick this off because I remember as a kid, like it was a breakthrough moment where I could get a bank account with a a credit card. I mean, I was in my early 20s. It was such a huge thing. And yet... Even though Visa is uh, one of the great suppliers of credit cards, I know that you guys are looking at, at life beyond the credit card. So we're going to discuss that. But first, let's just talk about how things have changed in the last two years because there, there have been phenomenal changes, unfortunately caused by a pandemic, but some of which will help ultimately be good for, for all of us because it's accelerated people's adoption. In many cases of, of digital technology, they would otherwise be too anxious or too afraid or, you know, not willing to explore. And yet, you know, when you're locked down at home and you can't call the grandkids around or you can't get someone who knows it to explain it to you, people have learned it for themselves. That's, a, I think, a very useful upskilling, whether we've liked it or not. But what have you seen in terms of how the world of, of, of payments has changed in the last 18 months to two years. Yeah, it's been interesting. And uh, you're right on the acceleration. And um, it continues, actually, as we speak. Um, we always thought, did you know what, you, we'll get through this. I think uh, during the first wave, we thought if you can just get through this wave, life will be normal. And we saw massive growth. And it's especially in that first wave scenario, we saw three, four, five hundred percent growth in certain e-commerce uh, merchant and, and sellers uh, 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 capabilities because people were just jumping onto the rail of digital and um, today we still see significant double digit growth continuing even though what we call face to face you're going to shop and you shop there has come back tremendously well we still see e-commerce growing significantly quickly but i think one of the key things that i saw was people over 50 who are transacting e-commerce actively today uh, just over 51 percent of those did their first e-commerce transaction during the start or during that first six months of COVID. they never did e-commerce before they just, started just say, e-commerce just say that say that statistic again it's a 51 percent of over 50s yes have did their first e-com transaction that's not south africa uh yeah. during that first lockdown and they continue today so yes there's many that did it before but it's interesting that more than half only started yeah and i know i know and you we know. also gen z and all those guys i mean uh the, the over 50s uh, are shopping actively online yes and uh those take a lot and uh, and other orders willie's orders and, and pick and pay and uh, 60 60 from Shoprite, etc are, are, are steaming in 
and people yes. are getting more and more comfortable with it. It's a, it's the comfortable is the is the fascinating thing, isn't it? Arthur Goldstadt, the the researcher, always says it takes five years for people to start using the internet to get familiar enough and comfortable enough with it to start transacting. And it's very often internet banking or plane tickets for the middle class. But I agree with you. I mean, in terms of my own personal shopping experience, I use 6060 every week to deliver food to my mother in her retirement village. We use Willie's Dash. We in our household have seen e-commerce changing completely. You know, it's a it's a no-brainer. In fact, I think what's really interesting is a, is a lot of leads or e-commerce transactions are starting in an app like Instagram. People see clothes they want to buy or, you know, design shoes they want to buy and that's where the, the the transaction starts. I find that really interesting. Yeah, and I think one thing that you you mentioned earlier on was the the thing, the interesting pieces that they're coming back, they're reusing it, and I think it's all about the experience. And what what was interesting is that many uh, of these uh, companies that sell these goods to us started preempting um, going this omni-channel route and and getting themselves ready for for e-com, and worked very hard on this uh, client experience leg which made it pretty simple. And they got lots of inputs from the Gen Z's generations, et cetera, to how do you make it simple? How do you make it user-friendly? And I think that contributed a lot to that comfort. So yes. you use it, oh, it actually works. It, it, it arrives. The, the milk's not sour. The yogurt's lovely. Okay, I can I can use it again. The second thing that was very interesting is, is contactless. This tap-and-go phenomena. It's yeah. been around for years, right? To your point. It's not a new thing. Yeah. But it's yeah. more than doubled in, 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 in payment activity over the last 18 months. More than doubled. We, we're going to hit 50% in South Africa soon. And that is people choosing not to like give their card to the teller, but rather tap the device um, or tap their watch, like you and I chatted earlier, or, or their phone. And uh, exactly. And uh, at the end of the day, it's saying, a good thing I'm holding up my, my Apple Watch to show you because we're going to talk about Apple Pay later. Whether oh, this cool, is a cool. podcast and no one can see it, and I'm still doing it. This is, <laughs> this is what Save lockdown you. has done to us. Look at us. We're the only people showing. Anyway. The, the exactly. listeners now know that both of us wear Apple Watches and, and we need to get out more after lockdown. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but interesting, so people are actually asking for contactless. Where in the past, you know what, the teller had to like think, oh, yeah, 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 you know what, if you want to do contactless. Uh, now people are saying, you know what, especially when they go to smaller merchants, they're saying, if there's not a contactless terminal, I'm worried because I don't want to touch the environment. And uh, that's just an interesting uh, uh Observation: I think about 59% of people in South Africa now prefer to pay contactless. And yeah. the recent study we did, and uh, I think it's about 66 in Nigeria and Kenya as well, uh, actually now prefer this whole don't touch uh, a scenario. Very, very interesting. So I think those for me were, were two very interesting trends. Um, and the whole drive to digitization, people want to move into a, a simpler, faster, more convenient world but we'll talk about the simplicity it's not always as simple as, uh, as i'm trying to say here because uh, the amount of choice we have and uh, the amount of choice we'll have going forward makes it complex for the for the for the seller and the, and the retailer and the merchant uh, to solve because you can literally walk in and and want anything to pay with and that's that's tricky yeah yeah and i, I look i i, I want to talk about the contactlessness because I remember <laughs> I decided I've got a long surname. Instead of signing my whole name, I started signing my initials. And I remember thinking, wow, save so much time. 
two seconds, if that, you know, and then you put the card in the thing and tapped it, your PIN code, you put your credit card, and then you put your credit card in the point of sale terminal and you put in your PIN code and that was so fast. And now you just tap it, you know, and I see some issuers get you to tap it twice to, to verify that it's there. And I, and I, I mean, it's the evolution of how it is. You know, if, if, if we were in London, we'd tap and go to get on the tube with an Oyster card. It's, yep. it's, it's the way so many systems work. It's, it's just the new way of doing things, you know. A signature can be forged, you know. Your PIN code, not so much. Um, so I suppose ultimately things will look very differently. You know, I've been trialing uh, the new Bank Zero app, uh, and got a personalized yes. credit card, and it arrives with your picture on the front. Now, that's just a lovely feature. That could have been done. Any credit card issuer could have, could have done that. But the, they've differentiated themselves by being a, a digital bank with a with a very personalized piece of plastic. That's that's a really nice touch. But it's it's just a demonstration of, of all of these evolutions of how we consider cash or money or paying for something, right? The credit card, I remember, was such a great thing. I'm still a fan of it because if I have a bad experience, I have a variety of protections, insurance, et cetera, that I could use. Um, But but this younger generation, I don't know if, like my son is four years old, he'll probably never learn to touch type. He may never learn to drive a car. Autonomous cars might be there, but he may never need to have a credit card. It might be embedded in our watch. Might be. Might be embedded in your in the frame of your uh, your glasses. Um, True. There's many many places that that can be done. And what's very interesting, I mean, we've done a couple of what we call showcases in our innovation centers, where we take uh, customers and banks and fintechs through experiences of the future. And and one that I particularly liked was this this whole. Uh, next step from Amazon Go. I mean, you, I don't know if yes. you're aware of Amazon Go. No, no. So you, I went there. I went it's to lovely, eh? when I was in it's Seattle. Lovely. It's, it was really cool. Did you also stand there taking something off the till, off, put it in the bag, out the bag, to see all of that? Can. And they did. Yeah. yeah all of that. And you've you got to take a you got to take a South African to one of those shops because uh, one, my one mate's uh, comment was, "Oh, we have uh, we have uh, the shop and go thing in South Africa as well." It's just. <laughs> You battle to get people to pay, but they're old. I mean, and I said, oh, "Come on, yeah. come on, that's naughty." But what's very interesting, humor. exactly, South Africans, that's for you. And I think the, the the interesting one for me there was in this experience is the whole um, visual identity, the uh, 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 the the whole connected commerce piece, the Internet of Things, all working together. And we yeah. showed a, a customer journey from where your fridge, my Samsung fridge, would tell you, you know what, the milk's low. Uh, yeah. You've got to get milk, but you know what? When you start your journey from the office, uh, your phone will tell you your vehicle is low on fuel. Yeah. And the closest Tesco's at that stage has, a, has, has, the, has the milk at the best price. Uh, and by the way, your yogurt is probably going to be low as well. You can see I like milk and yogurt. Um, so we'll we'll have it ready for you when you put your fuel in. And we've do, done a pre-check on your credit card. You've got enough money to fill the tank. And this is the this is the easiest one for, uh, route for you because traffic's hectic on the other routes, and it actually takes yeah, you through love a wider that. trip. I'd <laughs> love yeah. that. I mean, I, I can't tell you how often I get into my car and I'm rushing off somewhere, and I'm like, oh, I forgot to fill up with petrol, or you know. So, so I'm a I'm fantastic. That integration would totally work for me. 
You know, talking about simplicity, just coming back to that, the analogy I've used for the last 20 years that I've been a technology journalist is to say, we don't know anything about cars. Cars are one of the most prolific forms of mass market technology. We, most people in South Africa own one or know how to own one. You know, there's a whole, a whole bunch of, of, and yet none of us know how cars work. I have no clue. I remember telling my friend once my car didn't have a car, my laptop didn't have a carburetor. And he said to me, nor does your car. You're like, you know. I once told this friend of mine whose wife asked me to fix her computer that I didn't know where the carburetor in my laptop was. And then as a joke, I said, I don't actually know where it is in uh, my car. And her husband, my friend, said, you don't have one. And I said, really? And he said, I said when did that happen? He said, about eight or ten years ago. And what do we know? We get in the car, we turn the key, and off we go. We just drive, yep. right? And technology should be like that. And until, let's be honest, until maybe five years ago, smartphones, Android specifically, just wasn't there yet. And now it is. You know, Apple's always been there, although it does sometimes dumb it down a little bit. But that's what technology should be. I don't need to know. I do know, but I don't want to know how to fix my own computer. I want to spend my time working. I want someone else to fix my computer. You know, just because you understand the technology doesn't mean you have to be both a driver and a mechanic. And in the early days of computing, I know you were there too, you had to be both a driver and a mechanic because, you know, Windows. Um, thankfully, much, you know, changed since the, the, the those days. But it's like e-commerce is getting to that point. I think it becomes easier and easier and simplified. And the safety mechanisms are really good. I bank with F&B, so every time I want to use my credit card online, real or virtual, I have to verify it in the app, and I love that. Yeah, and, and I think... The, the interesting part for me is the the complexity that makes up that simplicity is absolutely mind-blowing. Um, I, I remember taking my, my sons through the concept of what it takes to do a, a, a payment online or payment at the till. And um, it, it happens usually within a couple of seconds, right? I know. But the, but the amount of hops is amazing. I mean, it's at the till, for instance, you tap your card at that till device. That till device talks to the, or the, the card machine talks to the till device, which talks to the modem or the, the router, talks to the, 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 the network, talks to the bank. That bank talks to Visa. That Visa talks to the other bank. It, it checks its system, and it does all of that in under two seconds. And you just think you tapped your card, and it's, 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 it's how did they get this right? And the cryptography and the security and everything behind that is absolutely amazing now on e-commerce for me that's probably even more mind-blowing at this stage is the fact that you can display what you want you can nearly feel what you want in some of these uh these brilliant applications of of going shopping and it's nearly seamless in the background when payment happens um, and to your point you feel secure because at the end of the point you've got this one pause pa uh, pause moment where you've got to verify that you really want to do the transaction, right? And um, yes. all of that makes the experience of shopping just so much more amazing uh, from home, in my view. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I mean, it's a, the convenience and the promise of e-commerce is finally being understood and appreciated by the mass market. Yes. And and I see it everywhere. It's, a, it's it, the convenience of, you know, Justin Drennan from Parcel Ninja was – 
was telling me about how many, I think it's 25,000 deliveries a day to, uh, or, or a month to spaza shops. What a no-brainer. You run a spaza shop, you've got to leave the shop to go buy your food. Why not have it delivered? It's, it, it's so interesting how that kind of, you know, first world middle class, it's, it's very interesting how that developed world middle class concept of e-commerce is being used by uh, people who run spaza shops in townships. It's a, it is by far the most useful application of online shopping, especially for stock, as I can see. You know, it's, it's a great convenience for me that I don't have to, you know, go up the road to Woolies and do some shopping. But for someone who runs a spaza shop, to get that delivered to them is, is infinitely more useful, isn't it? Yeah, and it's beautiful how e-commerce, e-commerce have converged, eh? because, I mean, there is no such thing as, 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 as a differentiation anymore because everything happens seamlessly, whether you're browsing or whether you're uh, on your tablet or whether you're on a phone. It just happens, and that integration also has made it so much simpler for people to uh, to actually have choice on how they shop, right? I mean, today, I can decide to start my shopping experience quickly online, check what I want, do a price check, thank you very much, I'm picking that one, then ask for it to be delivered, but I'll only pay when I get it. Wow. <laughs> it's... it's, 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 it's the abundance of choice we have today is uh, is amazing, and we're actually quite spoiled. I must say, in South Africa specifically, on the African continent, we're very spoiled. We sit with a, a first world payment system in a in a quasi first world third world country, and um, and uh, it is very nicely permeating into our neighboring countries. I'm, I'm thinking Namibia, I'm thinking Botswana, yeah. and they're all getting into these increasingly more convenient and simple payment experiences. They use our three silly little three-prong plugs and they're using our technology stuff. It's great. It's creating a, a Southern African hub of, of useful interconnectedness. I know it's, I'm just talking about plugs and payments, but I mean, I, I'm fascinated. Just, just remind me how many hundreds of millions of transactions visa processes every second? Well, so it's about between 65 and 70,000 transactions a, a second that that we, we're capable of doing 24-7 um, across the world. So, I mean, 210 countries, uh, over 5 million merchants, 3.5 billion cards or card credentials yeah. because card credentials now also include that thing that's on your phone yes. which isn't a piece of plastic but it's actually a credential that's that's similar to a card so amazing network and uh, it runs like uh, like a sleek oiled ship if I can put it that way no I'm glad you did because I do agree and I, I, I mean part of the reason I know that Visa and the other guys are, are critical for the next evolution is if those are not credit cards being tapped at some form of payment creation blockchain has wonderful uh, possibilities and applications and i know visa is experimenting with them but <laughs> it can't do how many was it a second ago how many transactions to seventy thousand uh, uh, trans a transactions a second yeah yeah exactly so, and then that's why when we get to crypto i mean stable coins and those type of things we can have a long conversation because there's a a couple of nuances we have to take into account to make it uh, uh, as seamless as we have today but the, the opportunity set is amazing. So, so let's look at some of the, the incredible opportunities because that's another way to look at, at, at problems, right? And I think it's inherent in this wonderful frugal innovation or innovation out of necessity that typifies 
Africa, and, and as and you know, some of those, many of those problems are exist in South Africa in rural areas. You know, Correct. it is unfortunately very developed world in the cities and very developing world in the urban areas. But it, like you were saying, this hybrid nature presents many very useful opportunities for testing new technologies. Um, you know, so how do you see these kinds of solutions or things changing in the past? I'm a big user of QR codes. Um, I left my credit card at home, uh, my wallet at home, and I, was, I took out my, my iPhone to, to uh, see if I could send cash to an ATM so I could withdraw it. And Discovery Bank app, which I installed, just popped up. It obviously picked up whatever the NFC or communication, the, the, the point of sale terminal users. My phone picked it up and I paid for it. It was like magic. You know, it was a, <laughs> it was a remarkable experience of just using i didn't even know the technology was there and it saved my embarrassment yeah and i think that's that that's where the interesting let's call it the narrowing hopefully of the divides is going to come in so we sit with a nice stack of technology uh which which serves as in very very uh, let's call it boutique use cases. Yeah. And you can literally do nearly any payment use case in South Africa in the developed city urban uh, city areas. But that same technology uh, you could use uh, to to bring in the, the more informal sector, so to speak. And you, you've mentioned QR. Yes. Uh, but NFC and QR and the capability of using biometric is a very interesting combination of how we can um, bring financial inclusion into play, make it simpler for informal merchants to transact. You've just mentioned that they can now, at least in their supply chain, get um, get their stock in a much simpler way. They have the capability of dispersing their stock in a different way. Uh, and that's where we've got to focus to obviously get cash, which is still 53% of our our daily lives, uh, a lower and displace it with a, with a digital experience. But the more deeper thing for me is how that data becomes useful for that uh, informal merchant to use in a very simplified way. So if I only have my phone, and I need to understand when people will be coming to shop, um, who around me is possibly uh, ready to come in and, 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 and buy stuff from me. Do I have enough stock, etc.? If we can move to a world where we get that in near real time, I think we're going to have a, a massive impact in the more informal sector. Because remember now, today you sit with the stock that you've ordered. It's nice that you got it uh, electronically, but if the person that arrives only has cash, right, what are you going to do? You're not going to say no. <laughs> you're going to say yes, thank you. There you go. And, and I think that's that's part of the challenge that we that we are chipping away at solving. And, and, and for me, two things there stand out. One is the regulation and the speed at which regulation is evolving um, is actually quite, quite, quite amazing. And that's going to help. I'm, I'm pleased to hear that because it's been yes. slow. I'm glad to hear there's a bit of momentum at last. Yeah, I think the framework is being set at least. And so there's in, Great. in, in our region, there's about six countries looking at open banking, uh, similar to what they have in Europe, as an example. There's um, regulation around getting faster payments in, which makes it more digital, makes it more open, and makes the transaction more convenient and simple, right? And I think the, the, the rest of the framework is helping to, to bring opportunities to the fintech. And we've got a very vibrant fintech community in, in, in South Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa. And I think they're going to use that, uh, uh, let's call it framework setting, uh, to come up with new, um, new innovative ways of, of paying. And from Visa perspective, that's obviously where, where we want to play with, uh, 
with our banks, with uh, our fintech partners, yes. and, and with uh, all those businesses out there? Well, I, I think part of what, what, what we're seeing is that uh, there was a, a period where banks were very cautious and anxious about fintechs, but it turned out fintechs aren't going to replace a whole bank. They, you know, a lot of them will replace a service or a, a particular way of doing things. And instead of competing against each other, it turns out banks and fintechs are, are, are a bit of a match made in, well, let's say a match made in reality television. Um, <laughs> it looks really good. They work pretty well. This fights are spectacular. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's turned into a very interesting way of, of, of these big companies, big established companies and small unestablished companies working together. And I think what's happened in the last decade is banks went from fear to we can become competitive. And I think that for me is, a, is, is key to, to the success of South Africa in the next decade and beyond because we do need our big banks uh, and, 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 and those big merchants yeah. to be ready from a technology perspective. I must say um, they've made huge strides. Eh? Um, there's actually quite quite innovative banking solutions. You've just mentioned a few earlier on the podcast um, and, and they're driving that innovation, let's call it culture and drive and momentum within the banking fraternity. But make no mistake, I think the, the, the combination of fintech, digital banks and uh, the more traditional banks are going to become a much more morphed scenario in the future. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, the one, the, the other brilliant South African banking service that I've been using probably for about four or five years now is Shift from Standard Bank. Fantastic service. I mean, I, I spoke at a conference in Barcelona, a banking conference, uh, and and uh, I did the I did the open keynote, and and uh, the organizer said, "You've got to meet these South Africans," and it was the team from from Shift, Arne van Holden, and. Uh, a few others, and they they won an award for this service before from a global banking organization up against much, much bigger banks than, you know, I mean, we think of the big four in South Africa as big, but they're much bigger global banks. And they won an award before they'd even launched the service. And they, to my mind, have pioneered virtual credit cards. I've been using them for my, you know, e-commerce, digital shopping. I have the protection of a credit card, but if someone gets my details, I can cancel it. I, I, I really want to talk about the post-credit card world, but I'm really quite happy with this, this like, like immediately after the whatever calls something the post, you know, the, the mushroom cloud of transformation has a, struck us and we're just standing here in the, in the benevolent glow of the mushroom cloud of transformation. I'm quite happy right now, actually. I, I really like, I'm, I'm terribly, terribly paranoid about cybersecurity, you know, as should everybody. So I'm really happy with virtual credit cards. But let's talk about that for a little bit. And where do you see things going afterwards? Yeah, so I think first things first is the, the paranoia around security we share because from a visa perspective, it's an absolute passion. Yeah. Cybersecurity and security in general and risk management is, an, is paramount. It's a pillar, a foundational pillar of our organization. I mean, you can think about the, 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 the immense uh, impact security and cybersecurity has in your daily life, right? And if that's compromised, it's a really tricky situation. So we take that extremely serious. And with that, we said, you know what? That's actually the value behind the credit card you just mentioned. It's not a piece of plastic per se, but that's obviously what you're used to touching. Yeah. It is the technology behind the translation of that plastic into the crypto world or the, let's call it digital world. 
And that's where Visa has, has made significant strides. And globally, most payment schemes have done that, where they've taken the, that plastic and they've they've given it a digital feel. And it becomes a credential. We call it a credential now. So it's a credential that's either to, on I your I just phone. have to stop and say I love that expression. <laughs> Plastic with a digital <laughs> feel. I mean, it's like a phrase out of a, a William Gibson novel. Although it's beautiful. Sorry for interrupting. I just, I love that plastic. No, no, I'm going to no, write that down. Plastic with a digital no, no, feel. No. I think the the, the the thing for me there is that credential now becomes the future, let's call it mechanism okay. for payment transactions. Because you sit with all that same, uh, let's call it, security, that trust, uh, the capability to, to to transact. It can be used anywhere you see a visa sign, whether it's a digital sign or a physical sign. I've seen a brilliant one uh, out in Morocco where uh, Bedouins were selling uh, materials in the desert and on the little um, mountain wall where they were sitting and packing out, they actually had a little visa sign uh, <laughs> scraped out on the mountainside to say, listen, you know what, at least your visa is also accepted. So anyway, oh, where that's accepted. you have to send me a picture of that. That's fantastic. I, I will. No, that's, I that's will. innovation. <laughs> that's like absolutely. If you think about that, the credential, whether it's your phone, whether it's your glasses, whether it's your ring, whether it's yeah. your phone, whether it's yeah. your watch, it becomes an extension of that, that plastic that you're so used to. So – it doesn't actually matter if you have a credit card or not. It's not. It's no longer the piece of plastic. It's the credentials, as Visa calls them, right? That's very true. That's what makes your Samsung Pay, your Apple Pay, your Fitbit, your Garmin Pay, uh, F&B Pay, etc., etc., work so well. Is that credential in the background that can transact at any Visa-enabled uh, space? Whether it's online, face-to-face, on a phone, you can tap it against another phone that that's Visa-enabled uh, to take a payment. So there's a amazing use cases around those and I think what we're seeing is that drives um, a a modernized view of payment but if we talk about modernization that's actually a key theme we're also seeing in this country is the modernization of payment systems right yeah so as we go into this digital world the modernization of 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 payments infrastructure um, we spoke about it uh, a bit earlier uh, with the banks the fintechs etc is absolutely key yeah. And uh, when we get to the, the stage where there is no more credit card, uh, maybe we go beyond the phone, uh, the payment still needs to happen and still needs to run over the network, right? And uh, it's about using that credential. I'm a big fan of, of Visa and the other guys because I, I get that you are the switch. You are, you know, your mechanisms make payments happen, credit card or token or credential. I get that. Yeah, and and eventually, Visa would be the network that connects you with other networks. That's also part of the planning. So it's not just Visa, but it's Visa as the network of, of networks, so to speak, um, that brings forward this uh, this capability to transact, whether it's you with a merchant, you with a person, businesses talking to each other and doing payments. And all those use cases, you will find Visa being part of that value chain to make that money move. I suppose in, a, in this, in this like post-credit card world, all that's really happened is we've lost the credit card. Am I, am I being too simplistic? We've replaced it with a, we've replaced something physical with something virtual or digital, but the background still needs to be there to transact. Yes. And um, 
but the background is also evolving. Now, yeah. if we say about the background, let's say we've got a business-only use case or a business-only scenario, and two businesses want to pay each other, and they're not in the same country. Uh, today, you need to go to your bank. You need to go through the SWIFT network. It takes you a couple of days. You've got to phone your banker to make sure it's there. Um, is there a hold-up? Okay, jump through three or four banks to get to the other side, and it takes approve a while. The, and that approve the, the transfer over it through your system. Tell the, the receiver then what only, Exactly. And only then your order is initiated and then your journey starts to receive it, right? Now, in that space, for instance, exactly what you said, but we've created a network that runs uh, on the back of blockchain, which allows for businesses to pay each other in in near real time, same day type of scenario. The bank, the bank yeah. is still the interface. So you'll still log into your bank and do the payment. It just happens so much quicker and you can actually see what the payment is, where it is. Is it already in New Zealand or in Singapore or in China? Or um, is it still on our side? Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's, it's their side and you get the confirmation. Uh, all stored, all visible, private blockchain, obviously, so it's distributed uh, and then a private network. But uh, for you and the person or the entity you're buying from, the transaction is visible online yeah. through your bank. Yeah. Brilliant. So, so, so those type of capabilities um, are evolving in the background from a network perspective. But you're right. In terms of the, yes. the, the front end, you have options you can tap you can wink in the future probably you can <laughs> wave whatever we can would dream up with um from a biometrics perspective um, those will be the the experiences we create right yeah in the background the hard lifting still happens yeah indeed and it's kind of like let's use my my favorite car analogy the driver's seat is is you don't need a key anymore right okay. but you still need an engine or an electric engine or you know a cloud-based engine um someone's still got to do that heavy lifting correct and uh, and and that's that's still where we need to make sure that we get simplicity into play because i think the complexity of the plethora of uh payment options that's available creates complexity of its own yeah and that's and that's the next journey that uh that all of us are on as an industry to make sure as we modernize, we make that simpler and we bring data into the aspect so that we've got data to simplify, if that makes sense. If you've got the right of data, course. you can automate, right? Of course. And, uh, that's part of the journey. Well, that's probably a good place to leave it there. I'm going to thank you very much, uh, Captain Aldo Lobscher, who is taking us on this future, the captain of the ship, certainly in visas, terms for South Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa. Captain Aldo Lobscher taking us through the journey going forward with payments. I, I mean, I should probably say your, your, your day job title is Head of Visa for Sub-Saharan Africa. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Toby. This is awesome. So thank you for joining us uh, on T2S2. Uh, and thank you for Douglas Adams for giving us that funny little uh, naming convention. This has been another podcast of T2S2. You can find us at all the right podcast places and please subscribe and listen to future ones. Thank you. Mm -hmm.